Well, it is the new year, and Charlie Brown and Lucy are talking about their New Year's resolutions. Are you going to make any New Year's resolutions, Lucy? What? What for? What is wrong with me now? I like myself just the way I am. Why should I change? What in the world is the matter with you, Charlie Brown? And on and on and on she goes, and all Charlie Brown can say is, good grief. It is a season to make resolutions. How do you feel about making resolutions? Some people love New Year's resolutions. To them, it's like the cosmic opportunity uh, to do a, a, a do-over. Other people just don't like it at all. In fact, they hate it. And that's a valid understanding and valid emotion as well. And there are some negatives to New Year's resolution. Have you ever heard of Ditch New Year's Resolution Day, January 17th. It's my favorite day of the year. We've got a tree for that and decorations on the house. But it is typically the day when people, the popular date that people think that uh, uh, New Year's resolutions were dropped. We're, we all know the statistics because we're all part of the statistics. We've all made resolutions and dropped the resolutions. Those who study this kind of thing tell us that it's usually like the second week of February is when 80% of us drop our resolutions. So, hence the proverb, may your troubles be as long as your resolutions. Yeah. There is another downside to resolutions that I'm trying to understand a little bit better. And I, uh, I think sometimes resolutions can be toxic in some ways. You know, we're bombarded with advertising messages and images and speakers and other types of material that tell us that we need to change and we need to change right now. And the change that we need to make has to be a big change. And if we don't make that change, then we're failures. And there's just not a lot of positivity about that. Uh, many of the narratives around resolutions can be very to toxic because a lot of the narratives around making a New Year's resolution, and maybe it's not intentional, but this is what we sometimes hear. We hear people in the New Year's resolutions world say to us, in essence, you're not good enough, kind of like what Lucy felt, and you're not working hard enough. You're not trying hard enough. If, I, if they only knew. So, just say to yourself, I am enough. Yeah, a lot of us will admit that when we make New Year's resolutions, we're making it out of negative feelings about ourselves. We feel unattractive, so we tell ourselves to lose weight. And then when we fail to keep that resolution about losing weight, the pain just doubles because we still feel unattractive and now we feel like a failure. And so it just adds, adds, adds to the stress of our life. And uh, I think what we need to do is possibly this. Let's make a resolution based not upon what pressure we feel from culture and the values of culture. But what would it be like if we made resolutions based upon 
our own values. It is so very easy to make a resolution based upon what someone else tells us we need to do or what the culture may pressure us to do. I saw this this past week and I thought it was so true. This guy says, nope, sorry, my New Year's resolution this year was to stop comparing myself to birds. I am a bird lover and I so just totally just relax when I'm watching the birds out my uh, backyard uh, window. But here's what he's talking about. There was a, a female GPS tracked a falcon that flew from South Africa to Finland. In 42 days, she flew over 10,000 kilometers. That's 230 kilometers per day. What have you achieved in the last 42 days? That is a long way to fly in 42 days. So this guy's resolution, I'm going to quit comparing myself to birds. Let's quit comparing ourselves to other people. If we make a New Year's resolution, let's do it apart from any peer pressure or pressure from the culture. Paul speaks a little bit to this. Am I now seeking human approval or God's approval? Am I trying to please people? Well, if I were still pleasing people, I wouldn't be a servant of Christ. Following the way of Christ does not always please people. And Paul, I am so encouraged by the fact that he had to deal with peer pressure. And he has to remind himself, I don't want to be a people pleaser. I don't want to conform to the culture's expectations of me. I just want to do what love dictates, what God dictates, what the values of Christ are. So what is the fix for this dilemma that I have with New Year's resolutions? I don't want to succumb to the pressure of the culture, but I do know that there are things that I need to change about my life and I'm not reached perfection and neither have you. And so there is this opportunity for us to, uh, to make some positive use out of these resolutions. Maybe we can just resign ourselves and make goofy resolutions. I, I resolve to put my belt on and make it through all the loops this year. <laughs> I resolve to remember where I parked my car. I really want that to happen. Seem like the older I get, the more times I'm wandering around the parking lot. I want to resolve this year to wear matching shoes. <laughs> Last Sunday, Denise and I went to a hardware store, and when we got out of getting ready to get out of the car, you know, you get out of the car, you kind of look at your feet. And I looked at my feet, and I noticed that on one foot, I had this shoe, my work shoes. We were working in the garage that day. On my other foot, I had my house shoes. <laughs> so I'd come out the door in my house shoes and to get my, you know, my license and key and my bag and everything that I carry. And I got sidetracked. I, I think I just saw Denise and her beauty just overwhelmed me. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> And I forgot to put my other shoe on, so I went to the hardware store like that. I should say Denise went into the hardware store. I stayed in the car. 
Yeah, so that's my resolution this year is to wear, the, wear matching shoes. I think I can, no, there's no guarantee that I can do that. So what is our fix for uh, making resolutions? What I want to do is this. I want to determine what my values are. And I just really want to be true to me and true to who I am and what my values are instead of the values of the culture. If, say, for example, somebody says, everybody loves social butterflies, so I'm going to commit myself to more parties and going on more dates. But I just hate parties. And I hate staying up late. And the only reason sometimes we make our resolutions that we make is because we just feel like that's what's expected of us from the culture. And when we make resolutions based upon disingenuous values, that just produces more anxiety and more failure. So instead of worrying about what the culture wants, I think it's just essential to determine what your values are and make some resolutions that will help you live out the values that you have in life. Like Ali said, I kept last year's resolutions. One, don't get pregnant. And two, always return my shopping cart. They're the same every year. So that those are her values. And she lived by those values. I like that very much. Another thing that I'm trying to do is this. I want to make sure that my goals are actually something that makes me happy. So instead of a resolution that says, I forbid myself from eating a cookie. There's just so much negativity and uh, critical thinking in that or criti criticism in that. Instead, I, I, I think I'd rather say, I want to feel healthy this year. I want to feel strong this year. I want to try to live in a healthy way. So instead of saying, I, I just have to get more sleep. Maybe I can just say, I want to feel rested, and I want to feel energetic. And the way I do that is maybe some modification of some of my behavior. But here is where I am today. I want to take a higher view of resolutions. You know, the typical resolutions, the top resolutions that we make, seem to repeat themselves every year. This year is no different. The top resolutions for 2023 to exercise more, to eat healthier, to lose weight, to save more money. Folks, that's what we've been saying for as long as I've understood resolutions. Why is it that we just keep repeating the same resolutions? Maybe we just keep failing at those resolutions. And I don't know if it's my failure that's causing me to just kind of give up on some of those resolutions or it's my stage of life. And at this stage of life, those things are important, but they don't drive me anymore. My focus is different. I'm, I'm more focused now on any resolutions or any changes that will affect positively my overall well-being, not just my waistline and my wallet. So here are some things I want to do to, this year. I want to listen to what someone else is saying without hearing what I think. Maybe that could be your resolution too. Say, I don't know at least 10 times a day. 
Now, if you do that, <laughs> the truth of the matter is, if you do that, it will disqualify you from a career in politics. <laughs> but it will make you a better person. Go outside more, a lot more. Spread positivity. And then grow your gratitude. I suggest, are the, the Chiefs played yesterday? So we have nothing else to do this afternoon, right? So take about 15 minutes this afternoon and just write down maybe five things for which you're grateful. Maybe it won't take you 15 minutes. And then every week this year, revisit that list. Maybe on a Sunday afternoon after your favorite sports team gets through. And just sit down and review that list of things you're grateful for and add two things to it. I think what will happen in your life is what is happening in my life as I try to develop a gratitude, a grateful heart, and a grateful outlook on life is that the, the more grateful I am, the happier I am. So, grow your gratitude. Last thing I have there, I borrowed from somebody else, but I love it. Remember solutions instead of resolutions. The fact of the matter is, resolutions are more times than not born out of our past failures. We look at how much debt we've incurred, or we, we, we look at how much weight we've gained, and how many people we've offended, and Focusing on those past failures can just really do a number on our self-esteem. And we just beat ourselves up over that. So instead of focusing on my shortcomings this year, and maybe you'd want to do this too, I want to celebrate each awesome thing that I do. Each time I do something really good, I want to remember that and celebrate that. So what I've done is this. I've created a yay me jar. <laughs> and every time I do something really good, it can be something small. Oh, golly bum, what, what would that be? I remember to wear the right shoes, thank you. I think I'm trying to start a new style. You know, just help out, uh, help out more in the house. Write a thank you note to somebody. Then I just write that down on a piece of paper and I put it in my yay me jar. Now, it could be that I'll need a smaller jar <laughs> for this year or it could be that I need a bigger jar. But what I want to do, and I, maybe you would want to do this too, I don't want to focus on my failures anymore. I just get so depressed when I realize how much I've screwed up. Now, I do want, though, if I've screwed up in my relationships with people, I don't want to dwell on that, but I do want to make it right with people. If I've offended someone, I want to ask their forgiveness and, and make a resolution to become reconnected and to become reconciled with that person. But otherwise, I just want to celebrate the positives. And I think that there's a lesson here in human behavior 
that if I, boy, there's a lot of glitter. Sorry about that. I just love glitter. And uh, if, uh, if I focus on the positives I, and if I reward those positives, I think I'll do more positives. And I think the negative things that I do and the negative attitudes that I hold will might just automatically diminish. Then I want to do this, and I hope that you will too. I want to remind myself, maybe you will do this too, remind yourself of God's mercy. Paul says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, on the basis of God's mercy, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is the right thing to do. It's a reasonable act of service. Of worship. Some translations say service there. And it, it, it's, it, it's not just, okay, I'm going to present my body. And we, this is always taught to, to me in youth group as I, I'm, I'm going to sign a purity commitment card for this year. That's, everything was about sex in those days. And uh, I'm going to be, make sure that my body is treated in, in the way sexually that my religion taught me that it should be, but my gosh, this just goes so much beyond anything like that. It goes so much beyond eating or drinking or smoking, any things that we typically think are bad for our body. I present my bodies as an instrument of the love of God in the ministry of service, to serve people and to be a, a, a face of of kindness, and to be a voice of encouragement to people. That's what it means to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. That every day I'm having an opportunity to impact somebody for good with my demeanor and with the words that I say. And I love the fact that all of that is based upon God's judgment, right? On the basis of God's judgment, do this. Because if you don't do this, here come the judge. If you don't do this, you're going to get punished. If you don't do this, you're going to be in time out. Oh, that's how we were taught. I was taught to do the right thing out of fear of punishment. But can you read what the verse says? What, what, what is the basis? What? Mercy. mercy, me, yeah. It's on the basis of God's mercy that I do these things. The basis of God's love and compassion, that word mercy we looked at a little bit last week, it was another Greek word in what Paul uses here, but the meaning of this Greek word is the same thing that we looked at last week. The word means literally to have a stomach ache. So, you remember when you fell in love with someone? Oh my gosh. Did you feel it right here in your gut? Your stomach hurts. You're so in love with that person and you're so moved by that person that you have a stomach ache. And that ache in your stomach is when I love someone, when you love someone, it's just the body's way of saying, yeah, you really do love this person. Doctors even tell us that what is happening in our stomach is that 
it's, it's a shot full of cortisol and, and it constricts the blood vessels in our stomach and we actually have a stomach ache when we feel so in love with somebody. So what Paul is telling me, if I read this correctly, and I may not be, that God has a stomach ache for you. He loves you so much that his stomach hurts. Oh, gosh. Charles Schultz talks about this. Yeah. Charlie Brown's in the hospital because he's in love with a little red-haired girl. And he has a stomach ache over it. I love the thought, and I encourage you every day this year to live in the awareness that God has a stomach ache for you, not because you make him sick, but because he is love sick for you. And if I can just live every day in just this cloud or this bubble, if you want to say that, in just awareness that no matter who I am, no matter what I do, no matter what I think, no matter what I feel, God still loves me. And out of that love, I want to do the right thing. Yeah. Let's keep that before us throughout this year. I want to close with this because, as is true in so many things, the wisdom, the wisdom of, of New Year's resolutions and of following the way of love is so clearly spoken through the mouth of a child. And we'll close with this video of a lesson from this child. Take a look. Yeah, good words from a child, always from a child. <laughs> 